It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from Talk Sport. Hello and welcome to the Game Day podcast from TalkSport with me, Sam Matterface, the Mirror's assistant editor, Darren Lewis, and TalkSport's Alex Crook as we look ahead to a weekend in which Manchester City could win the title. Short for Foden, now to Zinchenko. To his doppelganger, De Bruyne. Oh, it's in! It's in! Kevin De Bruyne with a cross inside the penalty area that everybody missed! We'll get into that with Alex and Darren very shortly. We'll also talk about strikers. Alex Crook's been speaking to a former Premier League striker who thinks that his situation at Chelsea in the early 2000s reminds him very much of the situation Tammy Abraham finds himself in. It's an interesting one, Abraham, because I was speaking to Colton Cole. Tammy Abraham is almost in the position at Chelsea now that he was in as a young player where he had to make the decision for his career to leave Chelsea and go and try and play his trade elsewhere in order to fulfil his ambitions. And you have to say, as long as Thomas Tuchel stays in charge, I think that's the conclusion that the Abraham camp will be coming to as well. And I think he's probably a good bet to end up at West Ham. All that and a lot more, including a preview to the big match involving Manchester United and Liverpool. Did I tell you that Manchester United could hand Manchester City the Premier League title this weekend? It's possible, folks. And why Kelechi Nacho is so damn good. All that on the Game Day Premier League preview podcast from TalkSport. And a big hello to the assistant editor of the Daily Mirror, Darren Lewis. How are you? Very well, thank you. How are you? Good, thank you very much. And uh, everybody's favourite, sceptic and cynic, Alex Crook. You all right? I'm good. I'm good. Have we all uh, paid the premium for Spotify so that we can become part owners in Arsenal Football Club? Have we done that? Well, I, I am actually a Spotify subscriber. And I noticed that this was the first time that they put up the Spotify subscriptions. Did you know that? Not until I heard you say it on uh, White and Jordan on Thursday morning. Convenient timing, though, isn't it? You put up your subscriptions one minute and then you declare your interest in Arsenal the next. Yeah, strange, that, isn't it? Um, right. Um, what's been the highlight of your week so far, Darren? Your birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you very much. How old are you? Well, it depends. Are we counting uh, last year as a year or because we were locked down? Uh, <laughs> does it not count? Sam, your boyish good looks mean that you don't have to worry about manipulating your age. Well, you I, could pass for five years younger any day of the week. Okay, in which case I am 38. You see, you could probably still, if you shave off your beard, <laughs> you'd get asked if you are old enough to buy alcohol. No, I'm th- I, I, I'm 43, um, although I've said officially 42 because last year didn't count. Uh, but thank you very much. I went, it was my son's birthday the day afterwards. My birthday actually ended up in an accident and emergency because he threw himself off a stall 
uh, and broke his nose. So, um, yeah, that was great. Um, so my, my birthday actually finished in a hospital. Uh, his birthday, which is the day afterwards, finished with him looking like the beast from Beauty and the Beast walking around uh, Chester Zoo. Um, he seemed to be none the wiser and think everything was fine, but I mean, it was a hideous sight for the, uh, the people taking the photographs, sadly. Uh, but then again, that's what happens if you're a daredevil. You want you to be a superhero. Um, right. Um, my highlight of the week, actually, footballing-wise, uh, was the two Champions League games. I thought the English teams were brilliant. I do think there was slightly, maybe more in it for them than they claimed. I thought they could have ended up with... Chelsea could have won the game, and I think that Manchester City will probably look back on that and think, we probably could, it could have put this beyond Paris Saint-Germain's grasp. I was slightly disappointed that Manchester City didn't get the third goal and and put their place in the final, but I think they'll get there anyway. I mean, the way that Paris Saint-Germain collapsed in the second half, um, completely lost their heads, completely lost their tactical discipline. But that was mainly because Manchester City went up a gear, made a couple of tactical tweaks and and played at their stellar best. And the prospect of a Man City-Chelsea final is absolutely mouthwatering, even for a Manchester United fan. Did Poch out coach Pep? I'm just... Did he? Sorry, Darren, you had something to say. <laughs> no, sorry, please do no. answer. Yeah, yeah, come on, I told you so. Go on, what were you saying about how great he was again, sorry? Yeah, but look, Pep's well, got more resources than Poch. sure, okay, yeah, yeah. Pep's got more resources than Poch? What? Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, they, they, they've got a couple of superstars in the four positions, Paris Saint-Germain, but defensively they're a shambles, aren't they? Oh, I can hear that uh, truck reversing there, can't you? <laughs> Crikey. I'll very, very quickly, I'll give you a wonderful stat. I know this should be in stat corner, but I can't. I've got to go early with this. In the history of the European Cup Champions League, there have been 47 instances of an English side winning the first leg of a two-legged knockout tie away from home. And on all 47 occasions, the English side has progressed. Records are there to be broken. Right, let's get to the big weekend action in the Premier League, and there is a lot of it. And it could be the weekend that City are handed the trophy. What an outstanding goal from Wilfred Zaha to bring Palace back into the game. People will accuse us if we don't win games of you know not caring enough, but it would be unfair and unjust. High cross into the area, and Benteke has scored. I must say I, I fear them because they are such a good team. Gundogan has it, and has scored a wonderful goal for Manchester City. It's 3-0. We are two games away to try to win again the most important title of the season. So the Premier League is the nicest one. Mares left footed. Oh, what a brilliant goal. Even more happy about the way we're playing at the moment. Obviously, we will try to, to continue like that. And City can win the title if they beat Crystal Palace and Manchester United are defeated by Liverpool. And, uh, I mean, that would be uh, that would be handy, wouldn't it? You know, Liverpool win to hand the trophy over to Manchester City at the expense of Manchester United, who um, I'm sure would absolutely love that City win it at Old Trafford. Sort that of. That is a, a Manchester United fan's worst nightmare, isn't it? 
listen, we know that Manchester City are going to be crowned champions. It is just a question of when, and, and again, as always in these European weeks, we're recording this pod before the two English clubs have played their first leg of their Europa League semi-finals. I would imagine that United will still be hanging in the balance quite tight. So I don't think this Liverpool game will be their priority. So therefore, there's every chance that fight could align and, and Manchester City will win the title in just the manner that you've suggested. Um, I think it might be quite a dull game because usually these games between Manchester United and the other members of the big six are dull games, lethargic affairs. And if you look back over the course of the season, seven Premier League nil-nils, which is a divisional high, Darren. Yeah, I mean, look, let's uh, go back to where you started. If City win at the weekend, well, they will win. They've won their last 18 away games in all competitions. They've scored 46 goals and conceded nine. That takes in the Champions League game in midweek. So we know that they're going to go and win at Palace, who normally have the flip-flops on and the Sun Lounger. They'll be eyeing that one up uh, as well by this stage of the season. But you're right. It's interesting the way that the big the, the television companies fight over games like this with all of the big names, because there has been so many anticlimactic matches involving the big clubs. Normally, players cancelling each other out, doing their jobs. And normally they're all hyped up and they end up being quite dismal. And it's the undercard or the match afterwards that tends up to be the one that we all should be glued to. So I'm not really counting my chickens for this one. It's a bigger game for Liverpool, isn't it, than for Manchester United? Because not only is the top four pretty much signed and sealed for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I think they should go on and finish runners-up to Manchester City. It was interesting to hear Adrian Durham on drive this week bemoaning the fact that Bruno Fernandes played the whole of United's game against Leeds last weekend. And I can see his point because the, the bread and butter of finishing the top four and therefore qualifying for the Champions League is put to bed. They should really have been putting all their eggs in the Champions League basket. And I just think Liverpool, with that extra motivation to get the points themselves to make sure they finish in the top four and I make them outsiders to Chelsea and Leicester at this stage that might just be quite crucial to the outcome of this game I could see Liverpool nicking it 1-0 yeah I think the, the the position of the European fixtures influences a lot this weekend doesn't it and I think we'll get onto that with the top four as well why do you think that Liverpool have stopped scoring goals over the course of the season uh, Darren I mean if you look at Mohamed Salah he obviously is still posting double figures in the Premier League and, you know, into the 20s all competition. But apart from the occasional glimpses from Roberto Firmino, Diego Jota and Sadio Mane, those three haven't really come up with the goods like they did last season, the season before. What, what do you think the reason for that is? Well, Mane had COVID earlier this season and for me, he hasn't been the same player since. Jota had, has had injuries. He, had, he started off really well and really did justify the outlay when many people didn't think he would do. And he's turned out to be very much a good player for Liverpool. Firmino has gone off the boil. And I think if someone is going to be sold as they reshape that attack in the summer, it is quite likely to be uh, for Firmino. I think as far as Liverpool are concerned, though, they've had such a you guys don't want to hear it, but you know what about the injuries and, and, and they've had a, Injuries, so don't. much, so much baggage around this season. See, I'm ignoring you. Um, they've had so much baggage around this season. It's a tribute in itself to them that they're in with a shout of the top four still. Well, are they in with a shout for the top four? Because they'd probably yes. have to win all of their games now, wouldn't they, in order to do so? Yes, but yeah. they, that that means they're in with a shout. 
does the form book suggest that they will be able to do it? Well, the form bit didn't suggest that Leeds could hold them, and they did. The form book didn't suggest that Newcastle could hold them, and they did. I don't think going into this well, Actually, final, the form book did very much suggest that that was going to be the case because they've won one really? of the last 10 at Anfield, yeah. Yeah, but Newcastle had won three of their previous 21, was it? 22? Uh, Liverpool, so Liverpool, Liverpool dropped loads of points against the bottom six at home this season. Yeah, but really, would you put your mortgage on Liverpool to, loot, to to not beat Newcastle at Anfield? I wouldn't have put my mortgage on it, but I wouldn't have put my mortgage on them not winning the game either because I think it was a distinct possibility because that's how they've played in the second half of the season at home. Are you telling, you're, you're seriously telling me, Samuel, that you believed Salah Mane and Firmino. Okay, we'd have been wrong, but we'd have gone into the match believing that they would have been able to get past an inconsistent Newcastle whose defence were absolutely awful and have been all season. I totally I can't believe he's full-named you there. I, to- I totally agree uh, that uh, Newcastle have been nothing less than average, but in recent weeks, they, they've started to post points on the ball when it's mattered most. Liverpool have not been posting points at home. You know, they've only lost one of their last eight now, Newcastle United. Liverpool at home have been nothing short of abysmal. This season at home, they've lost six matches, Liverpool, at Anfield. I mean, that 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 is, that's new territory, isn't it? So I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that, that they drop points to, to Leeds and Newcastle because that's what they've been doing all season. I'm looking at Newcastle's runner games. Before they played Liverpool, they'd kept no clean sheet in one, two, three, four, five matches. So although Liverpool hadn't been great at home, I can't lie, even in in hindsight, I believed Liverpool would beat them and I was surprised that they didn't. And it's more about Liverpool's deficiencies than Newcastle being better than anyone expected them to be. I agree with you, but I don't think that's what we're saying. What we're saying is it wasn't a surprise to me that Newcastle won there or or got a point there because Leeds had just drawn with Liverpool and Fulham had gone to Anfield and won there. It was a surprise to me. It was a surprise to me. Do you think there might be a small danger that we digress from the topic, topic in hand there? Ever so slightly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's go back to the point that Darren made that Liverpool deserve, quotes, tremendous credit. What, from going from being champions to just about qualifying for the Europa League? Tremendous credit? Let's not over-egg the pudding, Darren. Yeah, Come I, on. I also, I also heard today that uh, they made a uh, pre-tax loss of £46 million, Liverpool, um, for the financial year ending May 2020, which equates to an 88 a million pound negative swing. So I'd like to give them great, great credit. In fact, they'll be looking for great, great credit uh, to get out of that. <laughs> you know what? What you do, you guys, you give great, great credit when people are winning and then you get stuck in when people are losing, That's but you true. never see the in-between. That's true. I, I, I gave great credit to Scott Parker and I've been taking flack for it ever since. And they've never won anything. <laughs> <laughs> even a game <laughs> right uh, in terms of the match itself obviously the fact that we've digressed so much from the actual game the actual 90 minutes means it, it doesn't really mean that much and the reason that a Manchester United Liverpool game doesn't mean that much is because Manchester City are the focus of everyone's attention in the Premier League because they're going to win it maybe not this weekend but definitely over the next couple of weekends uh, they take on Crystal Palace 12.30 it's live on game day on Saturday and we will be there and um, look Palace battered 4-1 by Chelsea in their last league outing at home. Um, City have won 19 of their last 21 Premier League matches. This is a a Manchester City team 
that obviously know how to get the job done, but it will be a much-changed Manchester City team when it comes to the weekend. And there might be one or two who are left out in midweek who have points to prove. I'm glad you've asked me that because I think there's a point to be made here that we've all waxed lyrical about the strength in depth that Pep Guardiola has. And we call it Pep Roulette, don't we, when we're trying to pick our fantasy teams because we never quite know which Manchester City players are going to be in the lineup. But I think he does deserve tremendous credit because that's not necessarily an easy task for a manager, keeping so many world-class players happy. But clearly, um, he is a coach they all respect, they all admire because you don't hear any murmurings of discontent coming out of that dressing room, even from someone like Raheem Sterling, Gabriel Jesus, who, who is the only fully fit striker really with Aguero still trying to find his way back to full fitness. He doesn't get chosen now. Pep would rather play with the false number nine, but it seems like a very happy ship. Um, Crystal Palace are their opponents this weekend. We mustn't forget about them, uh, even though they've probably forgotten about the rest of the season. Um, they were hammered 4-0 in the reverse fixture between these two, but they tend to cause some special moments against Manchester City, don't they? Um, because of the fact that this is sandwiched between two legs of a semi-final, could they do that again, Crook? Possibly. I thought they played OK against Leicester on Monday night, Crystal Palace. They, they didn't play like a team, to use Darren's words, that were on the beach. And obviously they have a match winner in Zaha, really like Eze in midfield. I thought he was impressive again the other night. But... Manchester City are relentless and, and Darren's right to point out that, that they probably have a Champions League final now to try and play their way, way into. So the likes of Raheem Sterling and, and the other players, Jesus, have a goal now to try and prove to Pep Guardiola that they can play in that Champions League final. I'd also like to, to, to mention Mares, not just because of the free kick, because we've lamented the wall already, but he was superb for Manchester City. And I think quietly... He's had a very good season and has almost gone under the radar oh. because we, we, we've we talked about Foden. Well, he's favoured now. He's in, he, he's in the midweek team. He's the one who gets the place in the midweek team. He's always selected in the big games. Yeah, and rightly so uh, because he just goes about his business quietly and effectively must be a dream to manage, full of energy, puts a shift in and he's got talent as well. It's the perfect combination. Yeah, and he got back the other night and made an absolutely terrific tackle. Um, I don't know if you saw it in the in the first half of that game. It was brilliant, superb, and I you, know, you I think that needs applauding as well. Um, that game's live twelve thirty on Saturday on Talksport. Crystal Palace against Manchester City, and worth reiterating: if Manchester City were to win that, and then Liverpool were to beat Manchester United on Sunday at Old Trafford, the title would be decided by Liverpool at Old Trafford, and Manchester City would then be champions because of what happened at Old Trafford. Crook, is that is that right? At Old Trafford. So who, are who do Liverpool have to beat for City I to win I think it's the Manchester title? United. I'm just checking. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's definitely Manchester United. No, but we, yeah, there's, hey, a, there's a certain... No, <laughs> there's a certain poetry to that. There's a certain poetry to that because Liverpool has spent the last 30 years knowing that Manchester United is their cup final. So maybe it's ironic. He bit. Let's Big move. Juicy chunk. <laughs> folks Saturday's rebooted what an outstanding goal from Wilfred Zaha to bring Palace back into the game and Gundogan has it and has scored a wonderful goal for Manchester City we are two games away to try to win again the most important title of the season so the Premier League is the nicest one into Werner he can't miss from there seven yards out and Chelsea are in front I know my team very well and I know that they are very aware that they need another top performance Arsenal won 
Fulham won and the Fulham players have their hands on their knees. They need a miracle. They needed the three points today. This team have shown throughout this season that we can win games and get results and get performances. Of course, there's, there's belief. Calvin Lewin at the double. Another superb sweeping move from Everton. We are in contention for Europe position. Top four, I think, is too much. Ollie Watkins inside two minutes. Aston Villa off to a dream start. Game day back in all its glory. Southampton against uh, Leicester is the Friday night game, 8 o'clock kickoff. The main thrust of this is for Leicester to try and cement their place in the top three of the division. Southampton have got absolutely zilch, zip, nothing to play for, unless you think that Fulham can get nine points from their final uh, five games. Don't shake your head, Crook. There's no need. We know that it's outlandish now. Um, but Leicester, <laughs> 62 points from 33. They're four points above Chelsea who have played the same games. Win this and they're in a cracking position, aren't they? And they should win this. I think the TV company have been really cruel here because we all remember what happened last time Leicester came to St Mary's on a wet Friday night. They put nine past them. And I have to say, I don't think they'll get nine but I think it could be another comprehensive victory. I've just been speaking actually to Ralph Hasenhutl minutes before we recorded this podcast. No Danny Ings, um, no Ryan Bertrand. Oriol Romeo is actually back in training, but this game will come too soon. So they are down to the bare bones. They don't have a recognised left-back to play in place of Bertrand. And again, Leicester have really found some form just at the right time, and nobody epitomises that more than your mate Sam Kelechi Iheanacho. He must have been listening a few weeks ago when you mugged him off uh, by awarding him a few extra goals. I didn't because mug he's him off. Got... I was saying he was great. I just got the statistic wrong. I gave Sounds him more goals lighting. than he had. Shots he's fired. Now, he's now got 14 goals in his last 14 appearances. That goal he scored against Palace on Monday Pretty was special. like Jamie Vardy at his very best. And I do wonder if Manchester City might be regretting the fact they've let their £50 million buyback clause expire for Ian Acho because if they do get in the Champions League, Leicester, and I expect them to now, he has played a massive part in this. And one of the other things that Ralph Hasenhutl said is he almost casts an envious glance towards Brendan Rodgers and Leicester because they've got the resources, they've got the financial power, all the things that he would love at Southampton. But at the moment, they're a long way away from that. And I don't fear for Southampton this season, but they need to get some players in. They need to get this Danny Ings contract situation sorted. Or I do worry that their lacking, lack of form could go on into the new campaign and that could give them a problem. Uh, there's been at least three goals in the last five league games that Southampton have played in. Um, Southampton obviously looking for new owners, Darren. I, I, you always, always have to be a little bit careful what you wish for in that regard, don't you? Because sometimes bringing new owners actually disrupts things more than if you have a... Uh, I would call them sedate owners who don't really get involved and let you just carry on with about your business. Yeah, we've had a lot, lot of that since the Super League. Fans of clubs demanding that owners sell up. Um, and in some cases you do. You're absolutely right. have to be careful what you wish for. The problem with Southampton, however, is that 
there just seems to be a lack of interest. Their star player doesn't want to be there anymore. Uh, It's a big call to say it, but if Ings wanted to stay at Southampton, he'd have signed a new contract already. Ings wants to leave. Let's not kid ourselves. He wants to play for a bigger club. His contract is running down. I don't even think it's a lack of loyalty. We are in a business. Football is a business. And if he can go to a bigger club, earn more money, play a higher caliber of football in a team with better players, why doesn't he have the right to do that? But the problem with Southampton is too many people in and around the club are losing interest. And that's why they need, uh, uh, maybe they do need a shake-up in the summer. Um, In fourth place, Chelsea, 5.30 on Saturday, live on TalkSport, taking on Fulham, local rivals. This game means a lot, doesn't it? Because Chelsea can't, like Manchester City, um, afford to take the foot off the gas or rotate too much because they do have something to play for. City are going to win the title. That's going to happen. It will take care of itself. Chelsea can't afford that sort of room. They need to be on the button right from the very off in this game, Darren. Yeah, they do. But their defensive record is so good that I don't have any doubts whatsoever about them. I did, I have to say, going into last weekend's game against West Ham, I did think maybe as far as Chelsea were concerned, a West Ham side that had scored more goals so far this season than Chelsea, which is ironic given, I said that last week, how much Chelsea have spent compared to West Ham was quite fascinating. But defensively they are just so good and so there isn't that much to say about this game I think as far as Chelsea are concerned they'll win they'll score and they'll keep Fulham out and Fulham's chance was there but I think it's gone now. Uh, Chelsea have kept 16 clean sheets across the 21 games in all competitions that uh, Tuchel has uh, taken part in. Obviously, they are favourites to go uh, to Stamford Bridge and come away with all three points against a Fulham side managed by a former Chelsea player and desperate for survival. This is their last throw of the dice. If they don't win this game, then it is probably all over for them. In fact, it probably is all over for them already. It's a must win, isn't it, for both teams, really. Chelsea for their Champions League aspirations and Fulham if they are to stand any chance of what would now maybe be the greatest relegation, great escape in, in Premier League history, even rivaling what West Bromwich Albion did what was it back in 2005, I think, when they stayed up on the last day and sent Southampton down. Um, I, I agree with Darren. I think Chelsea should have enough resources. I was speaking to uh, one of the producers at TalkSport, a Chelsea fan. He was suggesting that maybe Thomas Tuchel would make some changes. Maybe Tammy Abraham might get a run out. He's only played three minutes since February the 20th. I'm not convinced for the reasons that we've stated, but it's an interesting one, Abraham, because I was speaking to Colton Cole, uh, uh, for Darren Bent's boot room, you can hear the full chat on Sunday night. And he was saying that Tammy Abraham is almost in the position at Chelsea now that he was in as a young player where he had to make the decision for his career to leave Chelsea and go and try and play his trade elsewhere in order to fulfil his ambitions. And you have to say, as long as Thomas Tuchel stays in charge, I think that's the conclusion that the Abraham camp will be coming to as well. And I think he's probably a good bet to end up at West Sam. I was reading this story this morning. I was covering it for uh, Simon Jordan and uh, Jim White's show. I was presenting that today. And all I could think about when I was talking about Tammy Abraham is what's Carlton Cole. Because Carlton, again, you know, scored goals for Chelsea, but he never quite made it. Now, I don't think Carlton was as good as Tammy is. I think Tammy is, I think he's top end of the Premier League. He's not necessarily Champions League winning striker. He's not necessarily England's number nine but he is a good striker. He's Chelsea's top scorer. He has played three minutes since February. I mean, this is a guy who converts chances. He's certainly going to score more goals than Timo Werner, Darren. 
Yeah, I agree. And uh, I agree he's a top striker. I think that next season, Werner will come into his own. So I'm not really that much of a Werner doubter, but certainly as far as Abraham is concerned, I am convinced that he's a class act. And I think two things are interesting about him. West Ham, big interest in him. Yeah, they'll sign him. If he does go to West Ham, He'll play every week, yeah. but he'll also play in a very different West Ham than we've become used to over the years. The mentality is different. The tactics are better. Under Moyes, he'll become a better player. He'll work just as hard at West Ham as he does at, at Chelsea. And the th- second thing is, we've talked about him already. We know that once players get their confidence back, they produce performances and consistency like Kelechi Iheanacho. Because I was talking to Andy Cole about Iheanacho and he was saying, I I said to him, what's the difference? His composure in front of goal is so good. And he said, confidence. That's the only thing. He's got a manager who believes in him and the team that believe in him. And he doesn't believe every time the board goes up, he's going to be the first man off. Tammy at West Ham could be exactly the same. He could be somebody who scores goals for fun and... Let's not kid ourselves. Chelsea have made mistakes before. De Bruyne, Salah, Lukaku. You know, they have let players go who have gone on to do well elsewhere. So I don't think there'd be any shame if if Abraham were to decide he wanted to go. Shall we do a bit of stats entertainment? Lucy, how are you? Hi. You all right? Yeah, I'm all right. Lucy, why are you in a car? I'm in a car, basically, because the builders are are doing the roof and it's really loud, so I came sat here. I've got to open the door a bit, actually, because I'm actually sweating in this car. It's so hot. I don't want the builders to hear, though, because I think it's a bit awkward. They do listen to the podcast, though, which is nice. Why don't you get them on live? Yeah. No, they're not. They're not really much chatters. The most I get from is, "Do you want a brew, tea?" <laughs> and that's it. That's the only chat I get from. Um, so I'm sat in the car, but the issue is, I'm getting a lot of funny looks. Like the postman's just about to walk past in a minute. Right uh, there, the, he goes. The, the postman. There's someone coming behind you now. Yeah. <laughs> I I did that once. I was in a in a caravan park um, last summer, and uh, it was when I was doing my my stints reading the papers on breakfast, and I couldn't get a decent connection on my 4g in the caravan so i drove to the main entrance it was six o'clock in the morning i thought this would be fine sat like lucy in my car with the talk sport mic on suddenly this massive lorry turns up as i'm on air it was the beer delivery he was not happy that i was blocking the entrance to get the beer in <laughs> to be fair we could have just cut out the middleman he could have just given it to you <laughs> Very good. It would have been the most economical way of doing it. Uh, right, what have you got for us, Luce? Okay, so it's time now for a quick look at one of our weekend fixtures through the medium of stats. So you guys need to give me your best stat from the game between Everton and Aston Villa, and then I'm going to judge who has the best. Ooh, okay, who's going to go first this week? Crook, Crook, you've raised your hand. Go, go on. I've got a good one this week. It's probably not funny, but I think it is quite spectacular. Um, So it's, uh, yeah, Aston Villa against Everton is one of only three fixtures to have been played in the top flight on more than 200 occasions. All of them feature Everton. The other two are Arsenal against Everton and the Merseyside derby. But this is going to be a new record this weekend. This will be the 205th top flight meeting between the two stalwarts. That's never been done before. Wow, so this is the most played fixture ever. Exactly. Uh, that's quite, that is quite spectacular. I'm quite impressed by it. I thought I should turn up this week. <laughs> well, it's nice of you to do so. 
that was a, that was a strong effort there, Cook. Well done. Thank you, Lucy. Right, Darren. Didn't sound like she meant that, to be honest. I'm hoping that John McGinn is an early bird yet again against Everton because his goal against Manchester City was the quickest they have conceded in Premier League history. Do you know how quick he scored it? No. 20 seconds. Wow. That's got to be a strong effort. That is a strong effort. Did you just tell us what happened last week? I was going to say, it's not really that relevant, is it, Darren? <laughs> no, but I'm saying I'm hoping he's an early bird again. All right, okay. Good, good. And it was a good stat. Let, 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 me, let me just jump in here and give you my stat. I too am hoping that John McGinn is going to be an early bird because as Darren said, he scored the fastest goal in the Premier League this season last week. Got Aston Villa off to a flyer. It's been so long since Aston Villa last won at Goodison Park, that they needed to get off a flyer the last time they picked up three points from Everton. In fact, it was December 2008, and Steve Sidwell scored inside the first minute to set them up for a 3-2 victory. So just like John McGinn, he was quick off the mark. 13 years is a long time without a victory somewhere. Could that all change this weekend? Villa haven't won against Everton for 13 years. That's what you mean. Yeah. But I, I connected the stats, you know, because, like, you know, the John McGinn, the Steve Sidwell, first minute thing, you know, you just basically said, John McGinn scored a quick goal last week. Let's <laughs> hope he does it again. In the Brilliant. context of Premier League history, not the season, Premier League history. I think seconds. I've won this it's week. That, it's not that fast, though. The fastest one is Shane Long, isn't it? After about three and a half seconds. No, it's uh, Alan Sheriff of Newcastle United. Um, actually, no, you might be right. Actually, you might be right. You might be right. You might be right. Darren, do you want me to get you a shovel to dig that hole a bit deeper? <laughs> <laughs> D- D- Darren, it's definitely Shane Long, the fastest goal against Watford. It's all right. I right, but I did stop. Sometimes when you're you, when you're in trouble, stop digging. I stop digging. Yeah, well done. This is a brilliant podcast. NBC's Rebecca Lowe listens to it every week. Imagine her broadcast uh, this week is going to be full of pitfalls and holes. Now, having listened to us for any sort of advice, in fact, she's probably just deleted. Hi, she's probably just deleted this and gone. Do you know what? Somebody else do a podcast. So, who's top of the table this week then, Luce? I think it's got to be Croc. So, but I got second, so I maintain my my place at the top whoa, whoa, of the leaderboard. Stuart Inquiry, hold on. Are you telling Lucy what the results should be? <laughs> I think he should be uh, marked down for that, Lucy. Well, do you know what? I was actually going to put you second, Sam, but I'm not doing that anymore. Well, you can't That's give right. it to... Mr. Right. I can after give it to Darren if I want to, because I'm in charge of this piece. Thank you. Okay. And the difference between me and you, Sam, is I respect authority. <laughs> well done. Congratulations, Crook. It's good for you to turn up and win one. Well, I thought I'd give you two a head start, but you know, I'm after the title now in the next few weeks. Calvin Lewin at the double, another superb sweeping move from Everton. We are in contention for Europe position. Top four, I think, is too much for us, honestly, but we are there and we want to fight. And after two minutes and 26 seconds, Richarlison has opened the scoring. We've got to be at our best. We've got to be confident as well. You know, we'll have a game plan going into the game. We've got to execute that well. Ollie Watkins inside two minutes. Aston Villa off to a dream start. We've got a belief in what we do and uh, how we're going to approach this game. The players know there's a, there's a great desire to go and win football games. 
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Uh, Brighton versus Leeds is three o'clock on Saturday. We'll rattle through this uh, quite quickly because there's not too much to talk about with uh, Brighton or Leeds because if Brighton uh, pick up a point, they'll probably be okay, although they're not safe from relegation. Um, Leeds Leeds could cause them a problem. Actually, this probably is quite a key fixture for Graham Potter, isn't it, uh, Alex? Because if they were to lose on Saturday, the, the nerves would start to jangle. Yeah, they were poor, weren't they, against Sheffield United? Normally, Brighton play well and don't win. They didn't even play well in that game. And I think the form of Neil Mope in particular now is becoming a bit of a problem. Of course, we condemn the fact he was abused on social media after the game. Uh, nobody deserves that. At the end of the day, he's just trying to do his job. Didn't do it particularly to the best of his ability. Now, I was speaking to someone down at Brighton this week, and we the conversation turned to Ivan Tony, who was a player who was on their list of potential signings. They decided against making a move last summer because they felt it would be too big a risk. Not sure I subscribe to that. £10 million Brentford paid to sign Tony from Peterborough. I've seen him in League One for Peterborough. I thought he was superb. I saw him for Brentford against Bournemouth in the Championship last weekend. And he, to me, is a player who will play in the Premier League, be it with Brentford or not. I think there'll be a few clubs after him this summer. And they do need a number nine, Brighton, because otherwise, to quote Darren's favourite saying, they're going to keep circling that drain and we all know what happens. Yes. Uh, I think it's worth pointing out that both Brighton and Fulham are in a similar sort of predicament in the fact that their expected goals and their actual goals are wildly different. And it basically screams, if you had a striker, you would be absolutely fine. And Fulham and Brighton probably shouldn't get relegated this season because their XG isn't as bad as someone like Burnley. Crystal Palace, which is 27, the lowest in the entire league. I mentioned Burnley, Southampton, Newcastle, all got worse XGs than, than Brighton and Fulham. But the problem they've had is not being able to put the ball in the back of the net. And although that is the hardest thing to do, actually, they're creating so many chances, Brighton. Their XG is 48.67. To put that in context, they've got a better XG than Tottenham and Arsenal. 
that, I mean, that that tells you quite a lot. I mean, you might not believe in expected goals. You might not believe in in, uh, or you might not put too much, uh, hold too much store by it. But actually, it gives you a pretty good indication that this is not a bad team. But they could end up okay. getting relegated. I don't think they are a bad team. I think, as Alex said, they simply need a striker. The idea that Tony is a risk, though, is laughable. I mean, you look at the many strikers to have come up from the championship and done well. I can think of a couple of recent examples. Uh, Jared Bowen at West Ham. Yeah. And Ollie Watkins. Ollie Watkins at Aston Villa. I mean, come on. The idea that you, you wouldn't invest... In a guy who scored as many goals as Ivan Tony, who is, is is visionary footballer in terms of the way he plays the game. I mean, he could be a, a big difference between the anxiety that they've had to go through for so much of this season and breathing far more easily, more quickly. Uh, Brighton have only won two of their last 16 home league games this campaign and Leeds are on a brilliant run unbeaten in six. So certainly Graham Potter's got some work to do this weekend. I think actually that could be a crucial game, three o'clock on Saturday afternoon. Uh, Tottenham against Sheffield United, I suppose is relevant for this reason. Tottenham need to sort out their managerial situation and try and convince Harry Kane to stay. Harry Kane has given an interview this week in which he's basically said, I need to win more trophies. He's probably not going to do that at Tottenham. I did think though, Darren, and it's sort of gone under the radar a little bit. One of the bits at the end of the quote is, I need to win. Uh, he said, it won't feel the same for me if I don't win Premier Leagues or European Championships. Do we read into that, that if he wins the European Championships with England, he's going to be satisfied anyway and won't really worry too much about what he wins at Tottenham? Or doesn't no, win because he's talking about club level and he's talking about over the next few seasons and it's the second interview in as many years where he's talked about his ambition and his ambition far outweighs Tottenham at the moment because Tottenham are looking for yet another manager to come in and overachieve with a player set of players that need revamping. There yeah. are still too many players at the club that were there five six years ago, and Kane has now realised when well, he said it, isn't he? He's scoring all these goals for fun, but they don't mean anything because the team aren't doing anything. And now he wants to go to a team where his goals are going to mean something. I think a big. I know a lot of people say, "Oh, nobody can afford Kane." There are some big, big clubs who who could afford Kane, even in these circumstances. And I, I think someone will come in for him. Adrian Durham said uh, on drive time this week, if uh, Daniel Levy starts to play hardball, then Kane should kick the door down. He's not that sort of character, is he? But it's for him. This is his career. He's got to. He's got to force this through now if he's going to achieve what he wants to achieve. And Spurs fans won't like us saying that. But you know, for Harry Kane. He has got more goals than anybody else in the Premier League this season, more assists than anybody else in the league this season. Yeah, he's playing for a team that aren't going to win anything. Are these interviews not his own way of taking, uh, you know, knocking the door down? Rather than taking a wrecking ball, he's taking a small chisel. But obviously he spoke during the last round of internationals and, and said quite publicly, I'll make a decision on my future after the European Championship. That's the first time he's really ever uh, given such a clear hint that he wants to leave. And now this interview has come not long after that. I think he's very frustrated. I think he felt, as Daniel Levy did, that by appointing Jose Mourinho, then maybe he would be able to win the silverware with Tottenham that he hankers. Clearly that isn't going to happen. We hear they're looking at Eric Ten Hag, who's done a fantastic job at Ajax. But again, I don't think he is 
necessarily the type of coach that is going to transform Tottenham into top four contenders and therefore European Cup candidates. But why are they in for Eric Van, uh, Tent Den Haag? Why are they in for someone like that? They're in for someone like that because they are going to be expected to come in and work with what they've already got and spend Agreed. limited amounts of money. And the fact is, is that Tottenham fans have got to accept that. And unfortunately, that means that Harry Kane, if he really wants to be remembered as one of the all-time greats is going to have to be moving on and and that as, as painful as that is for Tottenham fans that's down to the fact that the chairman doesn't want to spend any money yeah just to add to that I mean I think this happens too many times to tot to Tottenham for them not to think you know what let's have a go and they did that in 2013 they brought those seven players in with a bow money and that didn't really work I think Tottenham are trying to get into the top four and to get lucky, really, this guy, why Ten Hag, he's cheap, his contract's running down, he's going to be expected to improve players and make them better like he did at Ajax. But, you know, why not just invest in the squad? And then, because if they had done that, they'd have kept Pochettino. If they had done that, things might not have gone as badly as they did with Mourinho. And if they do do that, then they're more likely to attract a higher calibre manager. But you can see why Brendan Rodgers has looked at the way they do things at Spurs and talk to himself, you know what? I'm better off here. I'm in the Champions League with Leicester. I can build on this. I've got fantastic young players. Why would I go there to have my hands tied on my back when I can stay at Leicester who back me, who when they do sell a player, they've got somebody in to replace him like they did with Sunchu when Maguire left. You know, they are in such good shape. I make him right to stay where he is. Gone are the days where now people move just because of the fact that they... Uh, believe that a club's stature is higher than another. I think they can see, they can visualise the project, they can understand what they can achieve. In I was speaking to Mark Hughes the other day, and he was talking about getting back into the game. And you know, okay, it's a, a different level, but he was talking about how he's been offered loads of jobs since he's been out of the game. But there's only you only take a job if you think you can actually do something with it. Football managers get paid enough money now that once they have been paid off several times or a couple of times. They don't have to go back to work. They do it because they think they can make a difference. Brendan Rodgers has done enough in his career that he'll probably never have to work again. He's now all about building Brendan Rodgers, the brand, the legacy, and showing what a great manager he is. If he goes to Tottenham, he is likely to damage that brand, to damage that legacy. I think Virgil van Dijk kind of set the template on how to leave the football club in a dignified way. He was honest. He didn't play games. He put the transfer request in made it very clear why he wanted to leave. He's been vindicated in that decision in that he's gone on to win the Premier League and the Champions League with Liverpool. Bale has won three, four Champions Leagues with Real Madrid. I mean, the players that have left Tottenham to win things have gone on to win things. All those players I mentioned, Modric, Carrick, Berbatov, um, you know, they, they all go on to win things elsewhere because they join teams with good squads. Spurs now, I think, if Kane is clearly telling us, we all do interpret, what does he mean by that? We know what he means. He wants to go to a better team because Spurs are not going to invest any more than they normally do. A lot of people will turn around and say, you don't know what he means because he he's only said that he wants to win trophies. The fact is, is that Harry Kane knows the headlines that were caused on international duty when he gave an interview where he referenced, just referenced his Tottenham future by coming out so explicitly, voluntarily, and talking about the need to win things, he's basically taking out a classified ad on page two 
saying, I'm available when I want to move. He's doing it on purpose because he wants people to know it's time for him to move on. And he's laying the groundwork for that. And I do not blame him because he's been let down by his club, not his supporters, not necessarily even his managers, but by that club. Pochettino kept saying time and again, I can't keep performing miracles for the football club. Yeah, no one and listened. They didn't back him. And then when the things went badly, they sacked him. Kane is saying effectively the same thing. I can't keep performing miracles for Tottenham Hotspur. I can't keep scoring 20-odd goals, but the team not win anything. The team not finishing the top four. Now I've got to look at myself. And that's why, as Alex says, it may well be that Spurs fans say, you know what, go with our blessing because yeah. we know what the situation is at Spurs. We've known it for 15 years or more. It will always be the same. Newcastle against Arsenal is Sunday at two o'clock. Uh, Newcastle are safe. Arsenal, um, well, they're, they're interested only in what happens on Thursday night. Um, I think the most interesting thing about this is how many Newcastle win by Crookie, isn't it? Well, they'll never get a better opportunity for the reasons that we've said earlier in the pod about English clubs having their minds elsewhere. Clearly for Arsenal, it's all about that Europa League tie against Villarreal, their only realistic route into Europe next season. I think we're going to see more protests ahead of this game. And obviously the interesting narrative this week is the pursuit in Arsenal in Danielek, the, the Spotify owner. Um, you know that I'm a little bit cynical about that. I don't think these type of deals get done on social media. I know cynical Sam, you've about got everything. slightly different interpretation of it. I think what we do know is that Stan Kroenke is not going to go away quietly despite the fans protesting en masse outside the stadium. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think that uh, it's going to be a quick sale. I don't think that Daniel Ek is going to buy it in the next uh, six months. If you're Daniel Ek and you want to buy Arsenal, what you do is you try to get a groundswell of opinion behind you that unsettles the Kroenkes because it's, it's a private company. They don't have to sell no matter how much money you've got what you have to try and do is convince them that it is in their best interest to do it. So you need to come up with the funds and you need to come up with a, a narrative where people are putting pressure on the Cronkies. And that's what he's doing. He's building a case. He's going around, putting himself in front of the parapet and saying, this is what I want to do uh, for the club, trying to get people on his side, trying to get pressure on the Cronkies to sell. Do I think it will happen? Not in the short term. Do I think it will happen in the long term? Possibly. This is a very intelligent guy. Um, actually, when it comes to Newcastle-Arsenal, Arsenal have won the last five meetings without conceding. I think it will be different this weekend. Then again, there's a lot of things that are different about Arsenal this year. Cheers for joining us. Um, we'll see you on uh, Monday morning when you wake up as we review all the weekend's Premier League action, uh, by which time Manchester City could be champions. Darren, sorry, just just remind me again. What has to happen? Where can it happen? What, what, what is it again? If is it Manchester City Trafford? win, Old Trafford. Oh, he's gone. He's gone. He's gone. Is he's he stormed been, out? Has he has he put the phone down on us? He's walked he out. Actually stormed he's out. Actually walked out. I wonder if that's what he's going to do on Sunday evening when he's in the Darren Bent boot room and Manchester United have just handed Manchester City the title. <laughs> We're horrible to him, aren't we? Eh? Uh, Sam, can you hear that? I think he's crying. Well, yeah. We can hear him all the way from wherever he is. He's, I can't believe he's walked out on us. Uh, right, hopefully Crook will be back. In fact, I've got a, a feeling that if the results go against him, he probably won't be back on uh, Sunday. <laughs> uh, please rate and review the podcast and download it and tell all your friends about the Game Day podcast from Talk Sport. We've got some cracking games this weekend, including Manchester City, who could win the title this weekend. Couldn't they, Crook?
The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.